everyone. Welcome to another installment of Vinylism. I'm your host, Adam Winchell, and as always, or as usual, we have Chemo with us tonight. What's going on, man? Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me, Adam, and I really appreciate you inviting me on this podcast. Always, man. It's always good to have you. And uh, uh, we're in the middle of a little heat wave here in Southern California. It's like 90 degrees here at uh, 7.40 p.m., which is kind of nuts. How you doing with that? Uh, it's pretty warm. It was like 89 in my apartment up until about 5 p.m. And then I finally turned on the AC because uh, Edison, of course, is putting a, a warning on. Yeah. 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 That's good times. But um, shouldn't be much more of this. It's uh, like early October now. So, you know, should be the last of it, hopefully. Yeah. But uh, tonight, what are we talking about tonight? Failure box set. So this is a box set by the band Failure, who were active in the nineties and got back together around 2015. 14. 14. And this box set was solicited last year. It's their first three albums in the nineties. There are only three albums in the nineties on pressed on vinyl. Uh, A couple of them are double LPs. And there's even an extra disc of outtakes. But this was solicited back in like what? Um, I want to say like a year ago or so now, right? Like November last, December it went on sale last year. Like the pre-orders. Yeah, pre-orders. And it was supposed to ship this past April, but of course uh, the pandemic kind of slowed things down on that. And we weren't really sure when it was coming. And uh, Ken Andrews, the singer, assured everyone that, you know, it was coming and I had to ship them overseas and so here we are uh it's been out a few weeks now we've had a little time with it and yeah i just wanted to talk about the band talk about the box set and if you want to take us through uh kind of the story of the band for listeners that may not know who they are yeah failure is an american space rock band and uh they is like around the time of the grunge scene like making the that was happening big time remember in 19 nine, the early 90s was when nirvana was big and in utero and oh, like uh, Nevermind and yeah bad motor yeah. finger uh, sound garden yeah 92 awesome chains 92 yeah so that scene was enveloping the whole rock scene all basically the grunge scene taking over and uh, failure was, uh, uh, I'd say not part of the grunge scene, but they were around that time. So they kind of get lumped in with that, but then with all the, uh, after Fantastic Planet came out, then they really set themselves apart from the grunge scene as more of a like space rock. And so, uh, you have Ken yeah. Andrews, or yeah, I just want to say they were an LA band or formed in LA. I think the singer Ken Andrews is from San Diego originally. I think I read that in the the booklet that came with this box set. He lived in San Diego, but I think he was raised in Chicago. Oh, okay. I think. Um, I have to look back at my notes another time, but uh, yeah. So, uh. Yeah, 92 through 96 when they first existed. I think they started in with Robert Gauss, 
few years before 92, before Comfort came out, of course. And the drummer, the original drummer. Original drummer of Com on the Comfort record. And uh, yeah, so Robert Gauss and Ken Andrews started the band first and they had an ad in the Recycler or Music Connection with the influences of Susie and the Banshees, Bauhaus and The Cure. And so I think it was like almost like three quarters of a year through, they finally get Greg in the picture who answered the ad. So, and uh, it, was, it was like a chorus of crickets for a while for the two guys starting out this band. But when Greg answered, it was like, they found their, their, their right bass player for that fit that they were looking for. So, and that's how Comfort came about and Failure so, came about. It's always been the Ken and Greg. I mean, it was, you know, Ken and, the, and Robert originally the drummer, but I guess Ken Andrews, Greg Edwards, kind of the nucleus of this band. I mean, Ken sings, they trade off on guitar and bass, right? As necessary, it's not like, you know, really defined, clearly defined who plays what. I think they still trade off, like when we saw them live a few years ago. Yeah, even on the new later albums, they, they do trade off still. Yeah, and it just, you know, really works, I think, that dynamic they have together. It's, you know, one of those uh, musical par partnerships that are, you know, they're very, seem very tuned into each other and make some great stuff. So the first record in this set is Comfort from 1992. And this was produced by Steve Albini, who had worked with the Pixies, PJ Harvey, Nirvana. And what do you think of this one? I had never really given this album a lot of listening time. But I gotta say, it sounds really great what they've done with the remaster. Was it remixed and remastered? I believe it was. Yeah. For this set. Uh, they recorded at Pocket Steve Albini's Pachyderm Studios in Minnesota. Yeah. And uh, I think, well, I listened to this album a lot, but not as equally as uh, as much as Magnified or Fantastic Planet. But I still listen to Comfort a lot because there's some really good songs here. And not as, maybe not as strong as the two albums after, but uh, there's a noticeable difference between uh, how the drums are more punchy on the new remix remaster this 2020 remaster and uh ken really makes this album a different different uh sounding album it's really beefy. yeah it's really beefier whereas i think i read this uh a while ago that the band weren't even really happy with you know the results of comfort back in 92 i think uh it was a Greg Edwards quote where they were like, at the end, we were standing around like waiting for it to sound better and it didn't. But I mean, musically, you're right. There's really some really good stuff on here. It's really interesting. I think the songs are cool. But the original recording was kind of, I guess it's the Steve Albini thing, just throwing up the mics and getting the room sounds and presenting the band as they are. And uh, I would say Failure likes a little more, you know, uh, production, you know, for their stuff and creating kind of a mood with that. But uh, the remaster of this sounds great. I was really impressed. I think this is the most impressive sounding 
record in this whole set, actually, I would venture to say. Yeah, for this box set to come out at this time, I, I'd say Comfort is probably the strongest sounding record. Magnified, I had the previous uns band uns unsanctioned Magnified. Right. Because it's missing a segue and it was done by the record label without the band's permission. Well, let's get to Magnified in a second. Yeah. But uh, just to finish off Comfort, uh, great sounding record, especially in this set. Mm -hmm. And uh, very promising debut for the band. I don't know how much attention it got at the time. Uh, I definitely did not hear of them back then. Yeah. Uh, when Felix originally came out in 92, I, I did not know the band until the second album. So I found it were they, later. Were they playing with Tool or opening for Tool around this time around LA? Yes. Paul D. Moore was the one and Maynard. Original Tool James basis. Keenan um yeah so they saw him at club lingerie um early on and became fans and friends with the band yeah uh, i think that's so they actually did tour. they did tour might have been the first uh exposure to failure was on perfect circles cover of the nurse who loved me uh which is on a later album here but uh we'll get to our also oh, do we want to talk about how we first got into the band Sure. Real quick. Well, I don't know about quick, but... <laughs> well, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So uh, I found... I went to a record store. Or it was like they had listening stations back then when Blockbuster was open. And they would have... Like all the mom and pop shops were also copying that, but maybe not as elaborate and nice as Blockbuster, but... I did get a chance to see this album as a CD and uh, listen to, I, I was mystified by the cover. It's a failure. I'm like, okay, well, I'll check it out. So I put it in my pile of stuff to buy. But I was going to listen to it first before I was going to purchase it. So uh, the cover got me, but it was a second song, Moth, that really got my attention. And Moth or Macaque? Moth. Oh, Moth's on that. Oh, you're talking about Magnify. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So that's that's how I got introduced to Failure was just finding their CD. And then I got the cassette sample that um, I guess Kelly Scott was uh, duplicating at RCA Records through his friend that worked there. And uh, it was... A Fantastic a, Planet? Yes. It had a few songs on there. I, I don't remember. I'll have to look at the track listing. It had Stuck On You on there. You still have that tape? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. I also had the cassette of Fantastic Planet too from back then. Nice. Um, but I found out about Replicants and then Lusk. 
with uh, these offshoot bands. Yeah. yeah, because Paul D'Amour was leaving, was in the process of figuring himself out before returning back to Tool, so he can get out of his system playing guitar for Tool, which was his intention for Tool, but later on that was not the case. But uh, that resulted in uh, Replicant's album and the uh, Lusk album during that time. Which would really be great to get the Replicant's the side band. Uh, was that ever pressed? Um, on vinyl? I'm, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, don't I don't think, think it was. So. I don't think so. There's nice only a 12 inch remix of Destination Unknown. And you get on Discogs for a few bucks. Interesting uh, album of covers, different songs, kind of a super group of uh, Greg and Ken from Failure, and then Paul Diamore, as you said, and I'm sure you could name everyone Chris else. Chris Pittman on vocals and keyboards. So, yeah, that was that was one of my favorite albums at that time. It really needs a reissue. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I tried doing a change.org petition but i only got like 50 responses from that yeah i mean you I'm know sure. it's a niche kind of th- album but uh yeah i would definitely like to add it to my collection but so from comfort in 92 and is this about where uh is it robert goss the original drummer is this is about where he makes his exit before magnified amicably amicably which uh, I gotta be honest too, or on the topic, uh, I guess I never really pay attention that uh, Kelly Scott, who joined a little later, was not their original drummer. But I guess their styles are very different, but uh, I guess I never really like looked closely at that, so I, I didn't know they had an original drummer. <clears throat> but for the second record, Magnified, were Ken and Greg kind of trading off playing drums or just programming? It was just Greg playing drums, but then his right. His kick foot was not very prominent or strong in the mix. So then Ken actually substituted drum machine. Uh, drum machine for the kick, I think. For so, just get it more prominent. This album has quite I think it, it has a bit different sound because of that. Um not that it's a bad sound. I really like this record. Their second. Uh but I guess they kind of weren't a whole band at this point. Was it just kind of Ken and Greg? It was on Magnified. Um, man, I'm trying to look at the booklet right now to cheat. To cheat. But uh, they had, um, I forget the, his first name, Dar, Dargahi, Dargi, Dar, their second drummer who didn't last very long through the, um, he, he, was, he quit the band after the first week. Mm according to the booklet. But uh, yeah, it's mostly Greg doing the drums. Oh, another quick note on Comfort is that Deftones frontman Chino Marino says that Comfort is probably his favorite failure album. That's in the booklet. There's lots of little interesting things in the booklet that came with the box set. Nice write up in there. Yeah. John Dargahi Dargahi? Oh my God, I just lost it. I just I had the spelling of it. Another quick thing I never knew was uh, 
Ken Andrews kind of started out as a video music director and worked with Dr. Dre. Mm -hmm. Which I never knew that. It's pretty pretty damn interesting. He's done some hip hop and rap videos. Apparently the one video he did with was it NWA? Got banned. Oh no, the group Above the Law got banned by MTV. So yeah. Anyway, sorry to sidetrack. We're on to magnify. This is a great record too. Um, This is one that's on two slabs of vinyl in here. Where Comfort's just on one. And like you said, it's the complete album this time. Whereas the unofficial was it unofficial pressing you had of this in the past they they sacrificed some some of the segue sections of the music just one segue was taken out yeah and didn't receive the blessing of the band when it was published or pressed so it's on two records in all its glory and i've always liked this one a lot there's some great stuff on here um i wasn't totally blown away by the sound of this one in the set but i have since watched all six of these six seven of these records so i should probably go back and check them out now that i've given them a, a little record bath but uh what are your thoughts on this one this is one of the Magnif- first this is the first one you heard this is the first one i heard and uh i love this record um the mastering remastering of this album is spot on it's not a noticeable difference comparatively to like as in comforts 92 press and uh the new 2020 press, but this one is sounds good, and I'm glad Ken was able to get a remaster of this album. Still love Moth and Frogs. Um, yeah, Small Crimes is great. Wonderful Life, great track. Yeah, one of my favorites have always has always been Empty Friend, next to last song. Such a good rocking song. that they don't play the song very often live i wonder why that is yeah i'm not sure I'll, maybe it's I'll tricky this. or something possibly yeah but uh yeah great album i'm sure we could go on and on about this one for a while oh yeah Stephen brodsky of cave-in and gr connors is has some quotes in the booklet and uh they're of cave-in fame and uh they covered magnified Oh, really? Um, on their Creative Eclipses EP. And it was like homage to them, to failure. A quote here from one of the guys from Interpol, Sam Fogarano. I'm, I'm sure I just murdered his name. It says, <laughs> Magnified came out and it was like, what the fuck can this band not do? Or wait, what the fuck can't this band do? So, but again, uh, to kind of bring it to the next section of this i never heard of failure in the 90s and it wasn't until i moved out here to la in around 2005 and me and my friend were hanging out in the parking lot outside a bar just talking to this dude we met about music you know just some bullshit sessions and this guy was like oh have you guys heard of failure and we're like no what are they about 
and uh, he's like, you gotta go check out Fantastic Planet. It'll change your life. So he gave it very high recommendations. And uh, my friend went home and uh, I think he obtained some of his tracks from the internet. And uh, yeah, I just started this kind of fascination with this band that I'd heard of, you know, I knew that they're kind of associated with Tool or, you know, that Tool spoke very highly of them. And then of course, Perfect Circle covered the track from this album, Fantastic Planet, The Nurse Who Loved Me on their second album. And uh, so, Fantastic Planet. This is the only one of the set, this new set that I, I believe I read that Ken left intact. I don't think he remixed or remastered. That's the original mastering, but it sounds great. Well, it's the original mastering when it first got released on vinyl. Yeah. Which was when, do we know? Uh, it was released on Record Store Day and... Uh, let's see. Well, anyway, this is also the first record with Kelly Scott, right? Yeah. On drums, correct? 2010. So yes. that was the first, t- first time Fantastic Plan was on vinyl. You know, it came out in 96. Right. And let's see. So it so took Kelly's- a year and a half for this album to come out because the label slash was going under. Thankfully, they were, the label was actually able to give them enough money to buy recording equipment for this album. Otherwise, we would not have Fantastic Planet if Bob Biggs, I think is his name, who owned Slash and, and invested in this band and yeah, it says in the booklet, instead of allocating the label's recording budget towards time at a formal recording studio, the band would use the advance to purchase recording gear and set up camp in a house recently vacated by its owner, who was Lita Ford. Mm-hmm. But uh, so the band re- recorded this at their own house. And I-, I found it interesting that, and Slash Records let them do this, that they kept recording song after song. And Ken was like, oh, we're going to have to trim this down. And Greg Edwards is like, no, it's all going on the album. So it's like, what, 15, 14 songs or so? 17. 17, 17 with the segues, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, pretty bold, but uh, yeah, it runs around like 70 minutes. So it's, it's a gorgeous album. Definitely the product of the CD era. Yeah, the 90s had albums that were a lot longer in length. And... I guess Fantastic Planet is one of those great records that you could just sit through from beginning to end and I would lose track of time like just listening to that record so it's an amazing piece of work. When was the first time you heard this? I heard it first in 95 on a cassette that was um, being bootlegged of the album because the album had been shelved for a little bit for a year and a half by Warner or no slash transferring it to Warner so and uh a friend got a hold of it and i was able to list it on cassette and i was just like wow this band's great i like their second album but this album is like it's a step forward favorite. for sure yeah, it was huge leap forward and uh when i listen to this record there are three movements for me uh you have like the beginning like five or six songs maybe 
Uh, let's see. So from Saturday, Savior, Sergeant Politeness, Segway One, Smoking Umbrellas, and Pillowhead, you have the upbeat rock songs. And it goes to slow it down mid-tempo. It's a blank. Segway Two, uh, Dirty Blue Balloons. I got high. I'm scraping from my nails. Now I'm back down. My eyes are growing dark. is like a and pitiful or like a little little more mid tempo upbeat a little bit and then the last moon of them maybe from leo and on till daylight um it's like the closer of the album yeah it's they're like sections. movements they're like yeah. movements i guess i had this on a few weeks ago and it's a long set through the whole thing but uh it's a it's a nice ride it's an interesting ride through all these songs like man just one great song after another yeah to think that this album took like seven months to record i think it said in the booklet i I, i'm gonna read this booklet so many times just like memorize stuff from it because good some good info in there yeah some really awesome tidbits about the process how greg and ken andrews think and gives us a a view of their world uh, yeah. when they record these albums. So, so unfortunately, this album, which was like the kind of their artistic peak in a way, was also kind of the end of the band. Would you say right? I mean, they, they played shows for this a bit afterwards, but well, Slash um, invested money in, into them, but the return was not so great for comfort, and magnified sales were low. So when Fantastic Planet was out, it was not selling as well, too. It just didn't get enough push, I think, from maybe radio should have been pushing them harder or, or I don't know, that's maybe the case. But uh, Wasn't the band also kind of disintegrating, though, like internally? Yes, there was use. The, um, substance was abuse. Substance and... abuse. Carolyn was a big, big factor in that. I heard one night that uh, Greg crashed his car while uh, nodding off due to well, the effects of heroin. Jeez. But um, luckily, it was just parked cars, though. Oh. So the story has a good ending, though. That you know, the guys in the band kind of went all went on to other things. Greg to Auto Lux and uh, Ken to his solo stuff and. Pretty You're lucrative producing. And what? You're the rabbit. You're the rabbit, which is kind of one, one off, but also a pretty lucrative producing career. Uh, not really quite sure what Kelly went and did. I think it's. Brook Assault? Yeah, there's some things in the booklet about that. Yeah. Linda but, uh, Perry? Yeah. Luckily, they all kind of 
got back together in 2014, 15, and they've released a couple albums since. So I think we, I've talked about one of those on here, but really good stuff. And I'd say the new stuff just about stacks up pretty well with the old stuff as well. I have two tidbits of things that I wanted to share about failure. Yeah. First one is uh, failure was the first band I ever joined a, a mailing list back in nine in the mid nineties. Would it just be like a snail mail mailing list or like an online? It was a, uh, the first first time that email became prominent around ninety three. So then I got onto the failure mailing list, and that's how I met. I think his name was Ben, who actually uh, bought the whiskey tape, whiskey VHS tape of the May 28th or 26th, uh, 1996 show from the whiskey. So I figured that you could buy the videotape from the whiskey for 80 bucks at the time. Jeez. And so I did the December 16th, 96 show that's been on the net for a long time, YouTube and multiple people have actually uploaded that video and um, I actually bought the master tape. I saw the master tape. Wow. So failure meant a lot to me. I even made um, copies for the guys in failure, gave it to them at a, uh, might've been a pond and no knife show back at the alligator lounge. And I gave them, copies of the VHS for each member. Cool. And uh, yeah, that was my history with failure was that, oh yeah, if you wait till the end of the December 1696 video, all the way at the end, after you see the word failure on the screen, you'll see a gentleman going up on stage and uh, grabbing two pieces of paper off this stage, which were the set list, and that was me. <laughs> Nice. You still have a set list too, right? Yep. Keep everything. Good. I'm a hoarder. <laughs> Music hoarder. Uh, do you want to hit on the extras disc at all? Have you listened to it? Yes, I have. So some of this, it's called Outtakes and Oddities. Or Oddities uh, and Outtakes. Yeah. And it's kind of period-specific stuff from Comfort all the way through Fantastic Planet. Some of this was already kind of uh, released on the Golden compilation that came out in 2004, right? least four or five of these tracks but it's all good stuff i think actually the version of pennies on here is different than the one on golden shorter it's kind of like acapella or kind of acoustic it's acoustic and yeah pretty cool i was expecting it i was hoping it would go on longer i'm like oh it's you know ending at minute 44 but uh good stuff on here i'd never heard count my eyes i know it's like a b-side right from comfort it was on a, uh, I think a it was inch. on a seven inch, and it was Come Eyes and You're Too Much, I think. Or is Which it... is also, You're Too Much is on here. I'd never heard the title track to Comforts. So that was nice to have, have that on here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, from the track listing, you could gather that it flows from the Comfort era to Magnified and then eventually to Fantastic Planet. Solaris 2014 was released on a seven inch with. Uh, uh, what was this song called? Uh, Solaris and another S track theme that I forget off the top of my head. I wish I had it in front of me, but yeah, so I can find it on Solaris is slowed down. It's a really cool version of, of 
sped up song on Fantastic Planet. It's the B-side was Shrine on that. Shrine, yeah. And it's such an interesting take on the Solar song, yeah. Had you, had you heard all this stuff before on the outtakes? Uh, there are a few songs I've never heard before. Which like Ratsack? Ratsack is from Lunch. Fantastic Planet. And Lunch I've never heard. Um, it's the only ones I wasn't completely familiar with. Minus One is from possibly from recent. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. It's a segue. But then on the 7-inch, there's a different segue from The Heart is a Monster on the 7-inch that ends that song. So, but yeah, there's three tracks on here. Wake Up, I don't remember. That was on Golden. That was on Golden? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably it could be a different version or mix here, but closely analyze it. Petting the Carpet was on Golden. I believe Gone was as well, and Wake Up. Mm Mm-hmm. But so uh, yeah, it's a great. Couple tracks. It's great to have this disc, though. I'm, I've only heard it once, but I need to get it, get it on my phone or something, to listen to in the car, so I can, you know, listen to it more. Because it's nice to have ten additional tracks here. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it says in the notes that uh, all tracks restored, remixed, and remastered by Ken Andrews from the original analog master tapes. So I believe Ken, they got access to all the tapes back, right? Which is what kind of spurred this. Yeah. It's called ADAT. They record on ADAT yeah. for most of the stuff, except for the they got the tapes for uh, Comfort. Yeah, from ADAT actually probably a pretty good format for some you know. Yeah. Good recording at the time, or at least you know, a lot of space. I know that Danny Carey had had ADAT in his loft back in the day. Isn't what they used to record rehearsals for tour rehearsals, yep. tour rehearsals on. That's what the Anima demos were recorded on <laughs> with Paul. So you think this is a good, this set was a good buy? Yeah, it was, it was, it's about a hundred and how much was it? I think it was 130. Yeah, 130 bucks. A little on the pricey side for what's basically four records, but two of them are double LP. Each one, I really liked how each one was in its original sleeve. So we're in a, this nice box and they're all original sleeve original artwork i was a little disappointed that they all came in paper sleeves and inside inners but of course i just replaced all those with you know uh mofi sleeves for the price point i thought they could you know at least maybe do something a little nicer on the inners but minor complaint sounds great box looks great uh this is definitely something i was looking forward to and it's so nice to come home and see it on my doorstep one day after work i was like made my day and no problems with the records they all sound great like even out of the sleeves sounded freaking great uh no problems no noise so they did a really good job with this it definitely was worth the wait yeah, they had a ship from the Czech Republic, I think is where they had it pressed at, and it had to be shipped by boat because of yeah. COVID. That's quite a journey. Yeah. Well worth it. Yeah. Well worth it. So that's the uh, Failure 1992 to 1996 box set on Failure Records. Uh, I highly recommend that you get your hands on this set. And they're a great band. 
Yeah, I'm not sure how many they press. I think uh, press enough for for most of the fans, hopefully. And I don't know how many. I don't know if they were sad, but I'm curious. So I'm gonna have to email one of the guys, maybe Kelly. So real quick here before we wrap up the show, is there anything uh, we've been buying lately that we want to talk about or give recommendations to? I just got Ohms by Deftones. In oh, the okay. So how is that? The album artwork looks so cool. It's like a reflective, like shiny surface with all the dots on it. And uh, came with a booklet, big booklet. I haven't penned through it yet, but I will soon. Have you spun and it yet? I've not spun it yet because it just arrived yesterday. And Let me know how it sounds. I'm interested. I listened to it the other day on streaming and uh, it's a good album. I really like it. Yeah, it's a return to form for the band. I hear that said a lot. Uh, I've liked the last few things they've done. I've liked everything they've done. So to me, they never went anywhere. But I know a lot of people are really digging on this new one. It's, uh, it's their first with Terry Date producing it since Returning, yeah, since... No, I think. Or did you do the self-titled? He did self-titled. Then Saturday Night Wrist was produced by uh, Bob Ezrin. Mm. I think it was a different producer that they. Yeah, he did the Wall Pink Floyd. Yeah. Uh, uh, really getting off track here, but uh, yeah, that's. Sorry to to interrupt you on that one. No, can't wait okay. to hear. Can't wait to hear how it sounds. Yeah, I, I'd say. I already am going on Urantia, the third track on the album. Uh, this is a, this link is dead is a great song. Spe- the spell of mathematics is is a great song, and I like the title a lot. Uh, then I think Sergio Vega really shines on his riff for uh, Radiant City. I think that riff really stands out for me and. Just hearing him start the song out, I was like so happy to hear the quicksand, original quicksand basses yeah. play that song. So it sure fits like, in well with Deftones. So. Yeah. Uh, for me, real quick, I have been buying all of the PJ Harvey reissues, which was the other thing in this uh, pretty lousy year that I was very excited about. It's one bright spot is that her entire catalog is being reissued on vinyl, finally. And uh, everything's getting a companion demos album too. I guess Rid of Me, her second record, had the four track demos is officially released. But uh, I bought all these dry, dry demos, Rid of Me, four track demos, and to bring in my love and the demos. And I've been very impressed. Uh, Rid of Me, especially, is a hell of an improvement on the old CD. It's really powerful. The pressings have all been really good. To bring in my love sounds great. So I uh, probably will buy all of these as they come out. Yeah, that's going to be a pretty penny to spend. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Polly's worth it to me. Uh, it's my favorite singer. And uh, I guess the next one is the collaboration with John Parrish that I guess has been pushed back to November, the dance hall at Laos Point. So I love that record. You have that on pre-order, right? Yeah. I'm going to have to get that too, I think. Six, it's really, I think, yeah. It's really good. So I definitely check out those PJ Harvey reissues. Uh, definitely worth it. My next thing I just got in the mail a few like last week was 
L1011's three competitor, I don't know how you would say it. It's like a, not a, exactly a box set like Failures, but it's a three-part album called Tautology, Volumes 1 through 3. It, it chronicles, uh, the first record is a chron the chronicle of young, of being a young, like punk kid or not punk as in music, but just being a punk. And then second album is reflecting on middle-aged life. And then the last, the third volume is about like the golden years. Nice. So it's pretty, it's a really nice album. It's like, so it's really upbeat beginning, slows down in the second volume and third album is like really mellow and just like kind of really like laid back. So they released these in stages this year? Uh, they did, actually. They released July, August, and September. And then the the uh, vinyls came all at once and just recently, this nice. past September. So all different colored vinyl, orange, green, and blue, I think cool. it is. No, red, red, green, and blue, I think it is. Yeah. Beautiful records. Nice. Well, um, I guess uh, that brings us to the end of this installment of Vinylism. Uh, you have any final thoughts, Kimo? See, go listen to Failure if you have not heard of them. <laughs> Make time for it. Definitely. And I check out the new Deftones. Okay. All right. That's a wrap. Keep spinning. We'll see you next time. Take care, people.